Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Time now to talk a little football. Been a lot of baseball tonight, certainly with Judge hitting the 62 home run milestone, but... Time now to bring in our pal. He is, of course, former Jet tight end. You hear him as part of our Jet broadcast, and he is an observer of all things NFL-related. He's also a head coach in the XFL. That's right. It's Anthony Becht, who's nice enough to give us a couple of minutes. Hello, sir. How are you? Damn, we're shaking, buddy. How are you? Let me ask you a question. Before we get into the football, I'm fine, and, and, and glad to hear that you're fine, of course, everything that went on uh, in the last week with everybody down in Florida. Glad that you guys came out of it okay. Um this Aaron Judge thing, I'm curious. Down in your neck of the woods, are people talking about this? Did they get all wrapped up in the history or they could care less? No, yeah, there's a lot of Yankee fans down here. I mean, obviously the training camp facilities down here, and there's a lot of, you know, uh, snowbirds that come down here from New York. So, yeah, there's, I mean, there's there's tons of people. And, uh, you know, it's talked about. It's a big deal. I mean, it is a national story now. I mean, it's, you know, definitely something – uh, that, you know, I have interest in. I, I've always been a baseball fan. I was a baseball player growing up. You know, even the, you know, the um, uh, Pulhos uh, deals. I mean, he's For just been on a rapid yeah. pace lately. Yeah, it's been amazing. You know, I was able to get to meet him and uh, just kind of an amazing accomplishment. You talk about overall the length of a career to hit 700-plus home runs. Uh, it's just kind of amazing. But, yeah, I didn't realize he got, he got it. I just went out, came back from dinner. And uh, you mentioned it, so that's great. It's probably a relief. He'll probably hit. Will they have two more games left or three? Well, tonight and tomorrow. So I don't see. I didn't see what he's doing tonight, but he's going to have a couple of opportunities here. Let's see. Well, they got seven oh, okay, runs yeah, tonight. So. Uh, is he even in the lineup? Yeah, he's in the lineup tonight. Did he hit? Uh, he didn't hit a home run, but you know what? He's got two more RBIs. He passed Babe Ruth last night for second on the all-time yeah. RBI list. How crazy is that? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's unbelievable, man. Just an unbelievable accomplishment to do that. But uh, I'm, just, you know, it's fun. We got to see a lot of the, the the premier home run guys here during our time, which was nice. And to see it now, some fresh faces, obviously, Judge early on in his career. And uh, you know, I just got I got rid of his rookie card, by the way. You know, I got into this card thing in COVID. We talked about this. Yep. I, got, I sold I, I sold one of his rookie cards about you know a year and a half ago before the whole contract thing went down and stuff like that so i probably lost a little money on that one but uh you probably lost yeah, it's, you, it's you lost, that, that, that probably went for a little bit less than that home run ball would go for if, if the guy decides to sell <laughs> yeah. that oh did somebody catch it dude or did, somebody caught it clean caught it clean come on clean did they escort him out i mean what uh that's crazy man wow what a, i'll send you the clip another great accomplishment i'll send you the clip but <laughs> yeah he caught stuff. it with a glove first row right there in left wow. field caught it with the glove tremendous um as far as the football's concerned, though, and uh, you talk about tremendous, you think about what the Jets pulled off last week, improving to 2-0 and on the road, fourth quarter comeback after giving up 20 unanswered points to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Zach Wilson looked like a totally different quarterback in that final 15 minutes. Um, how much of a boost do you think this could be for this football team now going through the rest of the season? Yeah, I mean, look, they're two and two. I mean, it's hard to win games, you know. I mean, uh, 
you could have been one and four, zero oh and four. Uh, there's a lot of different ways you could be. I mean, I, I really feel like you got to be excited, you know, after, you know, we used to call break it down into four quarters. Obviously there's the extra game now, but uh, to be two and two uh, and now Zach's back, he's coming off a good finish. I got to think his confidence takes a boost. He's got to feel good. He looked calm. He looked composed in the game, especially when, it, when it mattered. And I, that was probably the most glaring thing. That I was like, wow, like he really, he settled there and he's making some throws and, you know, he sees the field. I mean, think about, you know, the, the, the progression of receivers that he hit, you know, in the last two drives of the game. It's the ball got spread around, you know, which leads me to believe he understands what's being called, where he's looking, and he's getting it to the right guy. It's also nice, too, Dan, to see receivers and backs running routes and tight ends that there are actually some space and some room you know, when they come out of their breaks. It's not, I feel like we've been looking at contested catches for the last two decades you know, since I've been gone. And now you see guys that, like, know how to play ball, know how to get open. And that's huge for a quarterback when you're playing that position. And how – how I mean, the offensive line was makeshift again. I mean, it's laughable just the bad luck they've had with the injuries to the tackle position. You had a, a AVT playing left tackle, and I thought he held up very well, all things considered here. But, you know, that mobility that Zach Wilson brings to the field, Jets may not win that game if Joe Flacco's uh, under center last week. No, totally. No, you're right. And it is a deficiency. It is a deficiency for him. A guy his age, what he does, you're right. He, he would not have been able to kind of do some of them crazy things that Zach was able to do to get out of some trouble, which, you know, I got scared in that one. He kind of got bent back. I was like, wow, like I'm shocked he didn't have any residual uh, injury from that one. But, um, yeah, you know what? Honestly, if, if Brown gets back and then, you know, do, do you put AVT at right tackle – and mm. I mean, I think that's a pretty solid line there. Like, I feel like, how do you even like, you know, losing four tackles? How do you even, you know, be in a situation where you feel good? Like, that's actually a solid front. So they still have some core guys. I mean, I think it's good enough to help Zach have a really, really good season and hopefully build off what he's done. I mean, again, it's, you know, if he gets the time, he's got dudes that can get open and, and it could be a drastic improvement from last year's uh, rookie season what I you know to that point about what they do in the event that that Brown is ready to go this week and we don't know if he is yet but if you think about last week they apparently didn't have enough confidence in Connor McDermott to start at left tackle which is why they left things the way they were Um, but now do you have confidence to start him at right tackle if he didn't have faith in him on the left side. You know what I mean? So I don't know how they're going to approach this thing. And, and and who knows if Dwayne Brown is even going to be ready to go. But let's just say for argument's sake he is. Maybe you're thinking about kicking AVT to right tackle. It just, it's unbelievable what they're asking some of these guys to do. And we're only four games into the season. Yeah, and you know, the, the good thing about that is, as hard as it is, because Fant would be on the ramp forever about playing right to left, and that was such a big deal, but uh, you know, AVT played a ton of positions uh, on the offensive line at USC. Now, that obviously was a little bit ago, but still, he he understands, grasps it. I mean, that is the hardest position to jump to the left, and it would be super a lot less strenuous for him to go to the right uh, as far as playing that side. Even for Connor McDermott, who held up okay, the right side is going to be at least the best of what he has to offer, which isn't you know top tier play. But, again, it's to have at least him to be a swing guy. Hopefully there's no more injuries. But if it has to stay put, he has to play right again. Dwayne Brown needs another week or whatever. You know, I think it's good enough to, to get a gun. Now, the Dolphins defense 
is really good across the board. It'll be a challenge. Now there, it's going to be more of the, the, the pressures and understanding where you need to be sliding, everybody being on the same page. And that'll be, you know, a challenge as well, but they will bring pressure on Zach and make it difficult for him. So it's a, a big challenge for at least going against their defense this week. Anthony Beck joining us, talking some football here on the Dan Gross show, 98.7 ESPN. I think that even though two is not going to be in there, I don't think there's much of a drop-off, if at all, from Tua to Teddy Bridgewater because the secret to the Dolphins' offense is just those wide receivers and getting the ball in the hands of those playmakers. That scheme is very you know, quarterback-friendly, making sure that the receivers are in spaces to make plays. That's how they devise the running game, same thing. So I don't know if there is that much of a drop-off with the quote-unquote backup quarterback in there, no? Yeah, I agree. I mean, and you're getting more experience back there, but not old experience. I mean, Teddy can still run. He can still do things with his legs and, and get out of trouble, extend plays. And he's got a really strong, accurate arm. He's always been an accurate quarterback. I mean, I really – I've enjoyed his career and, and always felt like, you know, after that injury, he could have been something in this league. So, you know, he knows he's going he's gonna to have that hunger. And you're right. I, I mean, listen, it's, it's get the ball in their hands. I mean, you don't have to do much with those guys. And – and even down the field, they get open. So it's, it's going to be a challenge across the board. You know, obviously, two guys, Waddle and uh, with Cheetah on the other side, I mean, that that's dangerous. It's tough. I mean, it's a lot to ask. It'll be an interesting matchup, especially those crossers and over-the-top routes. I mean, you know, it's different if it's one-on-one. You get sauce on him and see what he can do. But Cheetah's just everywhere, crossing your face, over-the-top, underneath. I mean, it's it's crazy to think what he can do. But just get him the ball in his hands. He's a really special player. No doubt about that. How about the Giants here who somehow, some way, look, it hasn't been pretty. Four games they've played. They've all been decided by a score, and they've won three out of them. Now their quarterbacks are all banged up here, but I'll tell you, if you're Brian Dayball and you're trying to implement a culture and a foundation with still limited talent, I think, up and top this down this roster, um, you got to be pleased if you're a Giant fan from what you've seen for this group because they keep battling and they play for 60 minutes. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, you know, I'll be quite honest with you. I'd love to see Daniel Jones somewhere else playing somewhere. I I think like he can, he can really bring something to the table with a different, uh, you know, place where they're, you know, a little bit more deeper at certain positions, but you know, they've done enough. I mean, they play good team ball. They got to play complimentary football. Coach gives them a great chance, puts them in good situations, manages the game well. And uh, you know, they, they play good defenses relatively, you know, three out of the four games. So uh, you're right. I mean, look, you know, they got a little bit of a challenge with the Packers this week. I believe they got, and, and then, uh, you know, probably the next couple of games, I think the Ravens after that. So they're, they're going to have some challenges if they can find ways to figure it out there with Olympic quarterback, depending on who's out there. We'll see. I mean, but yeah, collectively as a team, I think they fight hard for Dable and he's done a nice job getting them to improve. Saquon has been the best player on the team. He's been as good as any back in the national football league for the first four weeks of the season. How do you approach this if you're the Giants? We know about the contract at the end of the year. Yes, you can franchise him or whatnot, but there might be teams calling him up by November the 1st saying, hey, you know, what is it going to take to maybe trade for him at the middle of the season? I know you hate to think of doing that if you're a Giant fan, but let's just say a club like, oh, I don't know, Buffalo, you know, picks up the phone and calls Joe Shane, and they know Dayball, they know Shane up there, and say, hey, you know, we'll give you a third-round pick for Barkley. You do it? I don't know, man. You know, he's a leading rusher in the NFL right now by a few yards. Uh, this is as healthy as he's ever been. Um, you know, and, and listen, I think defenses know that it kind of goes through him. So the fact that he's able to have the production he's having 
when you're a known commodity has, has been good for him. Um, you know, man, you, you, I think the goal would be to try to keep him if you can. I mean, I really do believe that he's your biggest asset as far as helping the transition for your line, uh, the youth, and getting them better, and then ultimately where you go with the quarterback position, which, you know, to me is the biggest decision. Uh, but, you know, look, I mean, he's a, a, a star running back. I mean, you know, yeah, you're right. He's going to demand a lot of money. But, you know, all due respect with running backs, I mean, I don't know what the average is for for a franchise, for a back, but I think it's manageable, especially when the, the salary cap's about $200 million. I don't think it's a huge deal. And I don't they don't have too much star power. I mean, you know, is Galladay going to be on the team next year? I mean, that's that you're dumping cash there. And, and of course, you know, the quarterback situation, what you're going to do. But uh, I think they're in a good place where they can keep him. I really don't see them getting rid of him. Uh, third round pick. I mean, I don't know if that's enough. I mean, you know, every week goes by, he keeps having another 120, 125 yards a game. You know, it's a pretty desirable guy to keep around and try to continue to build off of. Franchise tag is $9.5 million for a running back for this year. So you figure for 2023, price tag, you know, the cap number goes up. You might be looking at somewhere around the $10 million range. It's not awful, but. That's nah, honestly, it's a no brainer. I would do it. I mean, I, I'm not a GM, but with the cap as high as it is, I feel like. For a guy, if, if he continues to do what he's doing, it's easy. I mean, I just it's it, it's safe for them. It's just a lower number compared to other positions. What when do you start to take this team seriously? When you're talking about the Giants, and there's still look the schedule between now and Thanksgiving. There's still some winnable games on it. This will be a tough trip to London, especially if you're not going to have the quarterbacks available against Green Bay. But there's some opportunities here. When when do you get to the point if you're a fan that you could get maybe a little giddy that boy, maybe we're going to be one of these surprise teams this year and shock the world and maybe hang in this till the very end. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, if they can, you know, they got six games before the Cowboys game uh, where they'll meet them again. Uh, if they can go, you know, four and three and be seven and four, I would say that that would be something that I would say, yeah, that's pretty impressive. I mean, they do have some teams that they can – they can beat, you know, then, you know, obviously in the next six, six games. So, um, yeah, I would say halfway through the season, I would say if they can get to the Cowboys with a winning record, uh, that, that would be something where like, you know what, they're just, they're going to be one of those gritty teams. It looks like that's just going to kind of be a thorn every time you play them. Like you feel like it's kind of a game where you can, you know, you go in there and like, ah, they're not doing great. You know, we should play our game. We'll be fine. But they're just kind of like a, they just kind of gnaw on you throughout four quarters. And, they have a chance to stay in the game. So uh, it'll be if they stay healthy and the quarterback play is there. I think they got a chance. I don't know if I'm taking them seriously yet. Honestly, I, I think it's, it's been a really impressive start. But, uh, you know, I, I, let's see what happens by the eighth game of the season to really, you know, hunker down and see these guys are like true, true contenders in their division. What's the panic level down in your neck of the woods about the Bucks? I mean, forget about all the off-the-field TMZ stuff with Brady, but just in terms of football, I mean, you know, thankfully they're in a disappointing division right now where they're 2-2 two and two and they're on top, but, you know, last night or Sunday night, Kansas City went in there and made quick work of that defense. They were one-dimensional on offense. They didn't even try to run the football there, but, you know, where do things stand right now with the Buccaneers? You know what, Dan? I'll tell you where they stand. Falcons. Steelers, Panthers. That's how you get back on track. Oh, that's what they have coming <laughs> up next, huh? Track. Yeah, real quick. And then you got the Ravens at home and the Rams at home after that. So, you know, they're going to win three games in a row, more than likely. 
you know, that'll put them, you know, whatever, uh, you know, five and five and two. And then, uh, you know, at that point, I feel like guys continue to get better, healthy, full strength. I mean, you know, Godwin just got back. Julio, Mike Evans is doing his thing. The run game was atrocious. Their line is an issue. I mean, look, they're, they're just not as strong interior as they've been. And, and, uh, and quite honestly, that's the key to Brady's success. You know, you can get away with not having your tackles, but, you know, when you get the push in the middle of the pocket, that's a problem because the guy's got cement feet right now. So, you know, he has to be stable enough where they can push and funnel that, that pressure to the outside. So if teams were smart, I mean, those are the risks you're willing to take is just heat it up, double A cap blitzes, uh, you know, things of that nature where it just, you know, Tom's not going to take big hits. He's not going to stand there and take one in the face. He's going to get rid of it or throw it away and, and play the safe play. So uh, they're very vulnerable right now, you know, and I think, you know, a little surprising was how their defense played against the Chiefs. I mean, I'm sure the Chiefs put a lot of work in figuring out a way how to really, uh, you know, take advantage and, and have success uh, versus the Bucks defense being what happened, you know, over the last couple of years, the way they played against them. So their plan was at high level in that game. But, you know, Brady's still, you know, what was he, almost 400 yards passing. Yeah. And three touchdowns. I mean, you know, the offense was there, and I, the defense is good. So, it, you know, Akeem Hicks, some of these guys get back, you know, it becomes a problem again. But, you know, they got enough guys. They'll be right in the mix. There's no question about it. Still a long season to go, and at least for the two locals here, got some meaningful football games guaranteed, at least throughout the rest of the month of October, including this Sunday at MetLife Stadium, where I will see you, my friend, for a little Jets-Dolphins and uh, safe travels, and we'll talk again on Sunday. You got it, man. Have a good show, brother. Thanks. All right. There's Anthony Becht, part of our uh, Jet broadcast crew right here on 98.7. And, again, our coverage begins at 11 a.m. on Sunday with the Jets and the Dolphins. And for those that didn't know about that Sunday night game here with the Chiefs and the Buccaneers, Tampa Bay, Brady threw the ball 52 times for 373 yards. They ran it six times for three yards. Six, I mean, not even like, not even trying to pretend. It's like, you know, we can't run it. We can't run it. We won't even try with how banged up we are up front. And oh, by the way, when Kansas City puts up 28 in the first half, that's also going to make you play a little hurry up and a little catch up there. And when you got the quarterback who's certainly equipped to sling it and has had as much experience as anybody back there, that's when you get some of those numbers that look as lopsided and as skewed as they were. Uh, 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We come back. We'll talk a little hoops. Knicks played their first preseason game tonight over at MSG. And what did the collection of general managers across the NBA, what do they feel about the Knickerbockers and their prospects for the upcoming season? We'll talk about that coming up next. Dan Gross' show till 10 right here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. So the Mets right now are doing their thing. They got a 7-0 lead in the third at City Field. You got to figure that that game is pretty much in the bank, at least close to it. I mean, you can never count anything, as we saw with Jets-Browns. But, hey, you know, Mets are in good shape here. What they need is some help down in South Beach. Because right now the Braves and the Marlins are doing battle. They're in the bottom of the eighth inning. Braves are clinging, clinging to a 2-1 to lead over the fish. And the Marlins right now have the tying run at third base with two outs while batting in the bottom of the eighth. Avifael Garcia is at the dish right now for the fish, seeing if he can be the idol of every Met fan in the tri-state area if he could deliver a big knock. Instead, he's going to take a walk, and instead the bases are loaded. So the Marlins now are going to have Jesus Sanchez strolling to the plate. Jesus Sanchez is accounted for the only run tonight for the Fish, a solo home run. So two outs, bases loaded, bottom of the eighth. It's 2-1 Atlanta. And, you know, the Braves, it's just it, – who knows? Maybe this is meant to be. You know, if, if the Marlins somehow, some way take the lead in this inning and somehow win the game, maybe it's meant to be because the Braves have had ample opportunities to bust this game open – They're 2-for-13 tonight with runners in scoring position and have left 12 guys on base. So the Marlins have been in and out of trouble all night long, and yet somehow it's a one-run baseball game, and they are one swing in the bat away, potentially, from taking the lead, which would just be incredible. And, of course, oh, by the way, down in Texas tonight, Aaron Judge hit home run number 62 Led off game number two with it tonight. Jesus Tinoco was the victim. He's going to be the answer to that trivia question. Uh, he was an opener tonight for the Rangers. Serves up the home run ball. Uh, and the Marlins are pinch hitting for some reason. Nick Fortes is going to pinch hit for Jesus Sanchez. I'm a little surprised by that since Sanchez hit the ball out of the ballpark. I know he got a lefty in the mound right now, so maybe they're trying to play the percentages and that sort of thing. But um, unless something's wrong with Sanchez, I, I, I have no idea. I don't know why you would just leave the guy up there who's already gone deep earlier in this game, but that's Don Mattingly's uh, decision there. Not mine. I'm not managing the team. And you know what? After tomorrow, Don Mattingly's not going to be managing the team either because he's going to be stepping away and on to bigger and better things for him. The mystery, by the way, do you guys see this, of the person who caught the Aaron Judge home run ball tonight down in Texas? Bob Nightingale, our pal from USA Today, uh, tweeted out that the man who caught the historic Aaron Judge baseball, Corey Yeomans, Doesn't exactly need the money. He is a vice president at Fisher Investments, which manages, of course, $197 billion in worldwide assets. It may be the price of Judge's next contract, as Bob points out. Uh, Oh, boy. It was an adventure, but uh, Nick Fortes pops up to the shortstop Dansby Swanson to end this rally in the eighth inning. So the Marlins leave him loaded. Braves will go to the ninth, leading 2-1, to and they will be three outs away from officially clinching the National League East Division title. That might have been the best hope for the Mets. Might have been it right there with the Fish having the bases loaded. 
but unable to scratch across the game-winning run. And, yes, stadium security came and got the fan that caught the judge ball and whisked, whisked him away downstairs into the bowels of the ballpark just so he can be, you know, brought to – I'm sure, he, you know, he's talked to the media already because, you know, for them to get the information about what his day job is and so on and so forth, even his name, disclosing all that information, that is now uh, public knowledge. But, you know, now it's going to be his call to see what he's going to do with it, and I'm sure he's going to have a photo op and meet with Aaron Judge after the game. Wouldn't it be great if he meets with Aaron Judge after the game and he says, Aaron, congratulations, great to meet you, but I'm keeping the baseball. That would be great. Might do it, even though he doesn't need the money. But maybe he wants to have it as a nice little memento and put it on his uh, his mantle in his trophy room if he does collect those sort of things here. We'll talk a little basketball when we come back because the Knicks began their preseason tonight. We'll also keep you up to date as to what's happening down there in South Beach with the Braves and the Marlins. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. 2-1 Braves over the Marlins, top nine, two outs. A couple of deep drives by Atlanta to start this inning, but the ballpark kept them in. Riley and Darno flying out, and now Matt Olson seeing if he can add some insurance. If not, Braves, or they, excuse me, the Marlins will have, let's see, one, two, three, four. They're going to have six, seven, and eight. Brian Anderson, Jacob Stallings, and the third baseman, Jordan Groshans, do up in the... Bottom half of the ninth inning. It's not exactly Ruth, Gary, and DiMaggio, but you never know. All you need is a bloop and a blast, and maybe the Marlins will be accommodating for all the Met fans to see if they can at least prolong the Braves clinching this National League Eastern Division here over the next couple of days, even though that's probably an inevitability, as we've been discussing. Hey, good job by the Knicks tonight. They get themselves a victory in their first preseason game, 117-96. Over the Detroit Pistons out at MSG, R.J. Barrett with 21 to lead all scores. Jalen Brunson, in his Nick debut, chipped in with 16 points on 7 of 9 from the floor. Five assists. Very efficient night for the brand-new architect of the New York Knicks offense, or the conductor, if you will, at the point guard position, Mr. Brunson. And look, you're not going to gain too much from preseason. It is what it is, but it's good to see the guys out there. It was good to see, you know, nice nice representation, a nice crowd at MSG, and in a couple of weeks, we get this thing going for real. Two weeks from tomorrow, they play the Memphis Grizzlies, which should be exciting here, and, you know, you hope for the best for the Knicks. But when you look big picture right now, what does the rest of the NBA, what do all the movers and shakers think 
about what this team could potentially be? Well, they do this thing in the NBA where they poll the general managers collectively across the sport, and they ask them upwards of, like, I think 50 questions, you know, as it pertains to the upcoming season. Players, coaches, teams, things like that. And, you know, they, they pull their answers together, and the NBA puts it out. Uh, which team do they think will win the finals this year? The, the smart money, according to the GMs, is on Milwaukee Bucks. 43% Golden State at 25%. As far as the uh, – and remember last year's front runner, according to the GMs, you know who that was? Brooklyn Nets. Last year, the GMs had the Nets at 72% to win the whole thing. Uh, nobody that lopsided this time around. Eastern Conference rankings, they have the Nets fourth behind Milwaukee, Boston, and Philly. No Knicks in the top six. We don't know where they factored in here. Uh, Western Conference rankings, they got the Clippers at number one, interestingly enough. Boy, if the Clippers could actually get healthy and get some of these guys on the court, you know that they have talent. But George and Kawhi, I mean, these guys never play. Uh, and they have the Lakers right now at eighth. How about that? The old man Lakers, the GMs say, are no better than the eighth best team in the Western Conference. Who's going to win the MVP this year? They say Luka, followed by Giannis. If you were starting a franchise today and could sign any player in the NBA, who would it be? 55% say Giannis. As you can tell, I'm going down this list just trying to find anything Nick-related or even Net-related, and we just don't have that many answers from the general managers. Uh, which player forces opposing coaches to make the most adjustments? They say Steph Curry. Kevin Durant was one of the guys who, quote-unquote, received votes, but he wasn't in the top five here. Which player is most likely to have a breakout season? Evan Mobley of the Cleveland Cavaliers was the answer. No Jalen Brunson, not even among, like, the receiving votes, because remember, he did it last year in the playoffs. So you would think, like, a full season he could be a candidate. Ben Simmons' name under the uh, also receiving votes. How's that? Um, best point guard in the NBA, Steph Curry, 72%. Um, boy, I'm, it's really hard. Who's the best small forward in the NBA? Of course, they say KD, 45%. Jason Tatum at 24%. Boy, you, where can you find a Nick? Seriously. Where can you find a Nick for anything? I, I mean, I'm not even going to bother giving you the nets. Oh, here we go. Which one player acquisition will make the biggest impact? Jalen Brunson is third at 7%. Bing bong! Donovan Mitchell, number one at 59%, followed by Rudy Gobert at Minnesota. And then Jalen. That's good. Better than nothing. Um, Boy, this is hard. I mean, really. People are just down on this team. They think it's going to be like same old, same old. Paolo Bancaro is going to win the rookie of the year. That's a safe bet. That's a cop-out right now. All the offensive categories are, are nothing Knicks. That was like the only thing I gave you there with Jalen Brunson. Now I'm looking at the defensive ones. Um, and Tibbs is a defensive coach, too. Think about that. And he ain't even getting any love. Who's the best head coach in the NBA? They say Eric Spolstra, followed by Steve Kerr. Remember Tibbs was the coach of the year? You forget about that from a couple of years ago. Like that that's how much that's how much has transpired since that 2020 season for the Knicks when they were the four seed in the um in the NBA's Eastern Conference. Here you go. Which head coach has the best defensive schemes? Tom Thibodeau, tied for third. Yeah. Tied for third. Behind Eric Spolster and Nick Nurse. And he's alongside Ty Lu. And well, you could tell when this thing was uh conducted because Ime Udoka is also uh, 
tied for that distinction. I don't think he'd be getting many votes today, considering he's no longer the coach of the Boston Celtics, at least not for this upcoming season. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this is like really it. Miscellaneous. Which team is the most fun to watch? They say the Brooklyn Nets are third behind Golden State and Memphis. Oh, here's the Knicks. Which team has the best home court advantage? Sixth place is the Knicks. Bing bong. So the five teams that they feel have better home court advantage than the Knicks, Toronto, Boston, Denver, Golden State, and Utah. Really? Denver? It must be the altitude. That's exactly what it is. It's the altitude. And they got Jokic. Which team here? This one's interesting. Which team's level of success this season is the toughest to predict? Number one, the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets. Because you don't know if these guys are going to be committed to the cause and if they're going to actually keep it together for a full season. Yeah, this is it. I mean, that this might be it, folks, for uh, as far as the Knickerbockers are concerned. Like, that is it. No Knicks. Wow. All right. Well, you know what? I don't know how many people were necessarily all high on this team a couple of years ago, and then they went out there and surprised and finished as the four seed in the Eastern Conference, but you never know. Neither, Nevertheless, we're going to have every game for you right here on 98.7 ESPN starting in two weeks. Two weeks from tomorrow against the Memphis Grizzlies is when it all gets underway. Braves, meantime, clinging, trying to finish off. They have a 2-1 lead over the Marlins in the bottom of the ninth. Kenley Jansen on the mound, seeing if he can cement the National League East for the Bravos and give them their fifth consecutive division title. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mets are up 7-0. Mets will probably go in and win this game, which will be their 100th of the season. They're going to have a chance tomorrow if they do sweep this doubleheader today, that if they win tomorrow, it's going to be the second-best regular season in the history of the franchise. Think about that. The only team that's won more than 100 games in Mets history is the 86 Mets, who won 108 during the regular season. They won 188, and they won 169. And right now, they're on their way to number 100 this evening, and that's still not going to be good enough to win a division. Think about that. Well, you know what? Ask the Dodgers. They won 106 last year, and it still wasn't good enough. They fell short to the Giants, who were one game better in the National League West. And ironically, neither one of them made the World Series. (laughs) 
So maybe, I don't know, maybe the same thing is going to be the, the fate of the Mets and the Bravos in a couple of weeks here, that they're just going to be so spent from having to duel each other all summer long to try to win the division that they're not going to have anything left in the tank come playoff time, especially how emotional that series was. Uh, by the way, programming reminder, no show for us tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. I will be pinch hitting on the Michael K show. It'll be Don LaGreca and myself, a Don and Dan version of the K show on Wednesday afternoon. So 3 p.m., you get me, you get Don, you get a little fun uh, over the course of the afternoon. Looking forward to that. So we will be back with you again in our normal spot on Thursday night at 7 p.m. And we'll do, uh, there you go, lock it in. And then Friday, of course, we have to make another change because Friday we're going to be in for Greeny at 10 a.m. So only one more of our normal hour show the rest of the week. That'll be Thursday night. So mark your calendars, plan accordingly uh, if you are indeed a faithful listener of the show. And just like that, folks, fly out to right field. The Atlanta Braves are your National League Eastern Division champions. Hey, you know what? Mets deserve this, and the Braves deserve it. Mets went down to Atlanta. All they needed was one win. They couldn't do it, and the Braves are a worthy champion. But you know what? In a matter of, what, three days from now, all the records get wiped clean. Everybody's 0-0. And now have at it once the playoffs begin. Let us say hi to, let us say hi to, Stephen Bayport, he's up next on 98.7 ESPN. Stevie, how are you? Hey, how are you? What's up, Steve? I'm just calling to just vent about Cole. I'm watching the Yankee game, and again, he blows another lead. I cannot see how they have this guy starting game one of a playoff series again. I would do Cortez Severino, put Cole third. I realize it's never going to happen because of his contract and hurt feelings, but this guy is just, he can't hold the lead. Uh, Steve, you are preaching to the choir, my friend. Preaching to the choir. And I agree with you a thousand percent. But you know what? And, and to your point, I think you hit it right on the head. Garrett Cole's going to start game one. I mean, Aaron Boone has already kind of alluded to it as much. And there's 324 million reasons why he's starting game number one. And look, I don't know if Garrett Cole is this type of individual. But if you take a kid's toy away... And they're going to go run into the corner and pout and scream and kick and cry. Is that what's going to happen to Garrett Cole? If you tell him, hey, Garrett, you're not starting game one? Because he's still got a lot of money and a lot of years left on that contract. And the Yankees still need him in the big picture, do they not? They still need him to get to where they want to go because they paid him to be the ace. They paid him to be a stopper. Tashi and Astoria up next here on 98.7. Tashi, how you doing? Hi, thank you for taking my call. What's up, Tosh? I mean, yeah, despite all the doom and gloom, I was excited to see, like, 42 points in second quarter. At least they're making buckets. So I hope they can keep that role going on. Tosh, you're getting excited about a little Knicks preseason basketball tonight. You're fired up. You're into it. Hey, as long as you can make the buckets, that's all that counts, baby. All right, give me give me optimism. Let me know. Give me give me optimism. What are the Knicks going to do this year? What what's best case scenario? Tell me. Uh, best case scenario is the playoffs, and you know if we meet the not the top echelon team, maybe make it out of the first round. You know, so that's that's the best hope. Wow. Okay, I- I'm with you. Hey, look, whatever whatever you want, I got. Bing bong. Tashi, thank you for the phone call. You get back to us. But that's best case scenario. 
Unfortunately, I'm paying taxes and I live in a place called Earth. And when you talk about reality for the Knicks, I've said it and I'm going to remain consistent with this. Playing tournament is very realistic. Bing bong. Seven to ten. I know that you don't want to hear that if you're a fan because that's kind of like NBA. That's the new NBA purgatory is seven to ten in the playing tournament. Knicks could be there. And then if you get yourself through that and you get into an actual first-round series, I think that's cool. Now, by the way, just to readjust ourselves here, Taiwan Walker, uh, Buck came and got him to take him out of the game after one batter in the fifth inning. So Taiwan's not going to get credit for the victory, so he's not going to go the real five innings. But now the division is lost. Now it's about preserving your regulars, preserving the guys that you're going to need starting Friday. So Jacob DeGrom ain't pitching tomorrow. Not that I have any official word on that. Buck will probably answer that after the game, but you'd be crazy to pitch Jacob DeGrom tomorrow. You'd be crazy to write anybody of any significance. Tomorrow the name's in the lineup, Mark Vientos. You know what? Is Darren Ruff's neck okay? Is Ruff's neck okay? Because we know that's all Fugazi. He landed on the injured list so they could call Francisco Alvarez up. So it's 10 days he's not going to be right. I was going to say, Darren Ruff in the lineup. Uh, put James McCann in the lineup. Guys that you really are not going to expect to be big contributors for you in the playoffs. Those are the type of guys that should be playing. You know, Tyler Naquin, throw him in the lineup tomorrow. Walk across the street. You know, maybe take a few uh, steps down Northern Boulevard, see if anybody's, you know, kind of nosing around. If you want to take them and throw them into the lineup tomorrow, be my guest. Just nobody that is going to be expected to play a pivotal role for this team once the postseason begins on Friday. Let's say hi to Richard in Manhattan. He's up next here. Richard, how are you? Hi, Dan. Dan, the more I'm thinking about it, I like what you said yesterday, the football analogy. San Diego comes east in the cold, damp, rainy weather. I think they're going to be put at a disadvantage. You know, I like that. Hey, why not? I never thought of it, but I like that. Sure, that's football. That's how you used to think, you remember? Mm -hmm. Teams coming east in the cold weather and all, they had no chance. The Oakland Raiders, San Diego Chargers. I like that. Uh, You know, as far as the Yankees go, it's very interesting. I don't think a team's ever, not that I remember, but of course I wasn't uh, numbers-wise as I am now. But, you know, let's say they finish 162. Well, it will have been a, a symmetrical season. They started 61 and 23, then went 12 and 27, and then came back and went 27 and 12. So if you would have said at the point 61 and 23, if all you have to do is play 500 baseball and you win 100 games. Well, that's exactly what they did. But the thing that they did was they played lousy to go 12 and 27. But they came back to play 27 and 12, which is almost a 700 clip. So they're going into the playoffs very, very on a very good note, you know. So this this is a real blessing what the Yankees are doing now, and really they have no excuses. I just hope the layoff doesn't hurt. Them. I think. Yeah, it let helps. me just ask you one quick thing before I go. Yeah, hurry up. In a four-seeded team, mm-hmm. okay? What should a four? Do you think one of the four can fall in the second round? Can fall? Is that what you said? Yeah, lose. Absolutely. I think, believe it or not, and Richard, thanks for the phone call. Absolutely, I think that's possible. 100%. And you know what? I think the Yankees are susceptible. You don't want to hear it, but I think that it's true. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN.